You're listening to Very Loose Women. Kia ora listeners, you are tuned in to Very Loose Women, live on Resonance 104.4 FM or in your ears via the podcast. And I am sad to say that we're not doing the radio show tonight, we're just going to have Soy um, <laughs> singing an entire MIA album. Oh, so. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> no, we're joined uh, by Leo, of course, and a very special guest, Joanna Hunt. Hi, thanks for having me. Who is a managing associate at the law firm Lewis Silkin. So she is here today to explain a little bit more about how the current points-based visa system can discriminate against the female workforce. Um, but first we're going to start with celebrations and frustrations. Do you want to kick us off, Leah? Um, so I was at the Tax Justice Network conference today. I was meant to go yesterday, but um, I just had a lot of work that I wanted to get done and this is this is kind of my day off, my fun day off. Is this going to be a celebration or a frustration? <laughs> the celebration is that actually I had a great time and I had some really really great talks as well. Like I really really enjoyed it. It was about um, uh, yeah all all sorts of facets of of how uh, different people enable tax evasion and how we classify different types of tax evasion. It's actually very very fun. It's like my bag. Um but I did it was the first day of my period and I started getting this really really bad headache and I didn't go to the last session because I I actually physically couldn't handle it and I just I felt terrible because I really like was curious but then also just thought I want to be in my bed eating food. <laughs> Are you okay so now? I'm fine now. It, 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 it's only around like tax people that seem to appear. <laughs> it's all right. Soila. Well, um, speaking of periods, I'm going to go with a frustration, which is that yesterday, and I hope this isn't TMI, but on this show we don't really do TMI. Um, and it was, I got a IUS, which is basically, I can't remember what it stands for. But it's not IUD. Well, there's IUD, which is uh, another, so they're both forms of controlling periods and or contraception. Um, and so um, it's otherwise known as the coil. But the IUD is normally referred to the copper one, mm-hmm. which I've had previously and wanted to die and would never recommend that to any anyone. But the one I got yesterday was an IUS, which is hormonal and not copper, um, which, um, yeah, means it, instead of making your periods heavier and making you feel like you want to die, um, they're much lighter and make you supposedly feel better about... Different bodies react differently to the quill, I'll just say that. Yes, they do, they Mm. do, they do. Um, But that was my experience. But it meant that I had bad cramps. That's the frustration is that I did. Cramps. The cramps yesterday were horrific, but they're okay now. Joe, do you have a celebration or a frustration? Um, I'm going to go with celebration to be on a positive note. Um, a little less personal, but I'm. I really want to celebrate the Women's World Cup. I watched it last night. I I loved it, and do you know why I really loved it? Well, we lost. That's obviously a disappointment. But I actually loved the fact that there was women there playing dirty shall we say they were diving they were aggressive they were doing everything that you would expect from male players and there were comments on some messaging board today going oh do you see it or do you see all the diving all the cheating and i'm like yeah because they play exactly like men they take it the same seriously it's not ladylike i think hell yeah go for it i saw on twitter a statistic which said that it was the most watched um thing this year in oh, British so TV, most watched TV and yeah. it beat the male I think Champions League final by about um half a million people that's so beautiful yeah. that's yeah. so wonderful yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that's really incredible. Um, but apparently, um, like, women footballers get paid less still, even though yes. I'm sure that, yes. I, think that, that I, I think that that might change soon because if the viewership is higher, the sponsorship will be higher. We hope so. I read um, Sue Bird, who's Megan, Megan Rapinoe's partner, she wrote a, a piece about how weird it is to date someone who's being trolled by the president and, um, <laughs> of the US, obviously. Um, and yeah, in it, she meant because she's a basketball player, in it, she mentions the gender pay gap for both of them and it needs to change. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I second you. I'm not into football and I've been sort of consciously avoiding it because my girlfriend's really into it and it's sort of to annoy her a little bit. Yeah. Um, but she's gone, gone to the pub like every single game to go watch it with, with well, all my friends. It is a thrill. I, I actually, on the way down, I popped in, well, I popped in a big, I did not, but anyway, they were playing it on big screens. I mean, that's amazing that they're playing yeah. women's football on big yeah. screens yeah. in that way. I mean, you would never have expected that five years ago. Someone actually tweeted, I read it um, just on the way in here today. I thought I didn't like football actually I just don't like watching men <laughs> she, she loved watching it um, I have a celebration I'm going to cut the football chat because I don't really care about yeah. football <laughs> um, I spent all day today in a youth court which I have never done before Wow! but supporting some a victim of sexual abuse who had to testify and um, the celebration is that there was a guilty verdict and I feel like that very rarely happens in this particular kind of case, which I'm not going to go into details. And That's justice was done. And That's... I met some amazing female lawyers. I've never met so many amazing lawyers in one day. <laughs> um, brings us on nicely to why you're here. Um, so a while ago, Leo and I were talking about tier two visas. Mm. And Leo kind of said, but do you think it's harder for women to come into the UK? And I said, I actually never really thought about that. So we started Googling and we found this amazing article that you had written, um, How is the Gender Pay Gap Impacting the fema Migrant Female Workforce? Um, got in contact with you and was delighted when you said yeah. you'd come on the show. I, my first opportunity to be in a podcast, I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to write that article? Well, it, a few things, really. I mean, it's my area of expertise. I'm an immigration lawyer, so I've worked for over 10 years with migrants of all different backgrounds, really, starting in asylum and moving through to helping now people who want to work in the, the UK. Um, and it, it comes from a bit of a, a personal aspect as well, though. I'm, I've got two little kids. I came back to work after maternity leave. Um, I've started working part-time. My salary went down, but fortunately, I was able to work part-time my employers have allowed me to do that um, and then I had a question one day for an employer about somebody who was saying I've got somebody on a tier two visa and they want to work part-time but it, are they allowed to under the, the home office rules and I thought actually no they're not um, and so the more I looked into it and the more I thought about it and this was in the time of the backdrop of the build-up to the gender pay gap reporting it occurred to me there are many ways in which the immigration rules that allow people to come and work here detrimentally impact on women more than they would um, on men. And that's what led to me to, to start to look at that and start to blog about it. And it's led me here today. Yay. Do you mind explaining a little bit about how the visa system works because it's obviously changed quite drastically in the last 10 years? Yes. And I will try to keep this 
as as uh, light as possible. But we have right now. So about ten years ago, uh, the then Labour government, in response to a large increase of migration from the EU, decided to do an overhaul of the immigration system, and they created what's still known as the points-based system. And so this contains most of the work-based visa categories, which people from beyond the EU used to come into the UK. People who within the EU can freely move until we leave the EU, that is. Um, so we're looking at people from beyond the EU. Um, and so the points-based system, it's got five tiers. Um, the first tier um, is for people who are considered high value. It's for entrepreneurs, the now called startup visas, innovators. Uh, they can come in um, and by their own qualities, they get a visa and they're able to work. Um, tier two, which I believe is your own visa and your person. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so the tier two visa category is what work permits got. In. So work permits, I think, which people understand as a concept is when people are given, have a visa to enable them to work for a company. They get a job offer um, and that company shows that there's no one within that resident, within the resident workforce who can do that role. So if there's a skills shortage, so they get visas or they can transfer somebody into the, um, into the UK from within a multinational company. Tier three was never operated was redundant. It was supposed to be for low-skilled workers, um, but the EU workers uh, were found to be, there was plentiful amounts of them, so that was never used. Tier 4, student visas. You you guys will probably know lots of students who are here on Tier 4 visas. And then Tier 5 is a kind of catch-all for temporary workers. So Tier 2 is the main worker-based visa category, and that's where we find most people who are coming to migrate for work. Um, and yeah, as we've said a bit before it's a points-based system but not really operating in a points-based way in that it's uh, pretty much a set of requirements that people need to show um, and one of which or two of which is a, a certain skill level and a certain salary level and this is where problems arise when you hit um, salary levels and skill levels. Yes I mean this brings us back to the gender pay yes. gap doesn't it? Yes. Um, Anyone in here work for a company that reports on their gender pay gap? Or a football team that reports on their gender pay gap? <laughs> I actually, I, I looked up, uh, so I, I work for a number of places. Um, and the place where I work with the biggest, largest amount of people, I actually couldn't find the data. So I'm thinking maybe it's in the UK. The UK branch of it is under 250 people. Um, the other place, uh, it's on our radar, which is a not-for-profit, and I'm I'm fairly confident that there's equal pay there. Mm. Um, it was set up by set up and, and run by both of them women actually, and it has, I think, majority women working there anyway. So I, it would surprise me if if that were not the case, mm. but it's possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think being freelance, uh, you can be uncertain of what the gender pay gap is but I think it's in the industry that in general issue, yeah in freelance um, in in journalism yeah. I can't I don't know the statistics and I, I can't bring them up um right now but um I'm aware that there is a gender pay gap um and then there's even the it's not just gender pay gap it's the distinction between um people of color and um all of that kind of thing but um but yeah we've talked about the gender pay gap a lot before and um if anyone is interested, then they can go back to them shows. Oh, plugging yes. the archive. <laughs> um, we, yeah, so the show, I think it's called, isn't it called The Gender Pay Gap? I think so, yeah. And we had, we had a, a policy uh, specialist who, who spoke. Leslie it, Rankin. That's the one yeah. who, who spoke in more depth about it. It's, a, it's an excellent show, so yeah. please oh. check it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So the gender pay gap, as you've already already covered, is about average earnings and the difference between average earnings between a ma- to the male workers and the female workers within an organisation. It's not necessarily equal pay for equal work. That's that's unlawful. actually a, a very big misconception that yeah. came out in that show because I I would have assumed that it's two people doing the same job and then getting paid dif- differently a yeah. different amount. But in that fact, illegal. <laughs> that's that's just illegal. Um, uh, but it's actually across a whole company. Yes. So if you have a lot of people at the top who are all men and a lot of people at the bottom who are all women, then you will have a gender pay gap. Yeah. And it's sort of more about that. Yeah, it's, it's a complex it's a complex form of analysing pay and how a company operates. But it, it, it functions to illustrate different patterns of working and, and as you say, to highlight things within an organisation if they have too many men in senior positions they'll have a pay gap if they have two well, a lot of women working part-time or low-skilled workers they'll have a pay gap so it is illustrative rather than kind of condemning a company really I mean there's always an explanation behind it but the reason why I ended up writing this blog was, so there's obviously a lot of controversy about the gender pay gap and a lot of people say there are reasons for it and I think this is not what we're going to go into now but the government obviously thinks it's something that companies need to address. It's making the report on it. So, OK, so we, we know that the government thinks it's a bad thing or something that needs to be remedied. What I talk about in the blogs that I've written is, OK, so if you think that it's a bad thing, well, then you you've, if you have an immigration system and the tier two visa category particularly, which is based on uh, a salary level and a skill level. So Currently, the minimum salary for an experienced worker who wants to get a tier two visa is set at £30,000. There's a lower threshold for um, younger workers who there's an easier route and graduates is an easier route. But if you're setting a salary level at 30k and you know that women are going to find it are are earning less and um, statistically it's harder for women's salaries to increase as well, um, that is going to detrimentally impact Women and is potentially indirectly discriminatory. Um, so that's what I've wanted to kind of highlight and talk about. And from there, for, for starting off from that standpoint, and then I rolled into, well, if we've got, if you've got a skill level. So for a tier two visa, the job needs to be at uh, what they call uh, RQF level six, which is supposed to be degree level. It's, okay. yeah, it's, it's just supposed to be a degree level job. You yeah. don't have to have a degree, but it's supposed to be that level of experience. So women predominate in more lower skilled roles. It's also harder for women when they've particularly had kids and got back into work, tend to go back into more lower skilled roles. So if you've got a skill level that's preventing a woman from accessing a visa, then you are going to limit the opportunities for women to come into the workforce in the UK, establish their career and develop. Um, and then as well, there's another point that I discuss as well about flexible working. And, and this is, as I say, one of the bugbears for me is there isn't actually these the skill level, um, these salary levels that we have for tier two. They're they're absolute. They can't be prorated. So somebody's salary has to be above thirty k, and that's usually based on a, a usually around a thirty hour, thirty nine hour week. If they were to cut their hours, their salary would go down, and they would go below that salary limit. So then they would. Uh, a company would have to report that to the Home Office and they would lose their visa or have to make a new visa application for a new job. So there isn't actually direct provision for part-time work. Mm. And considering part-time work's now becoming, and flexible working in general is becoming part and parcel of normal life. I you know I know lots of people who worked up part-time. It's crazy that 
tier two workers who may for want for care, you know reasons personal reasons or they've got caring duties at home they're unable to do that and still now it's predominantly women who are going to be the main carers of children and also you know parents as well um that's going to impact on them more um so yeah so there's these these significant areas within tier two that uh will have implications for women more than men and it's something that yeah that little is being said of right now yeah absolutely i mean i hadn't even considered it and i am a woman on a tier two visa and now i'm shocked it's like those the barriers that you have in normal kind of regular society are just exacerbated when it comes to the immigration and visa system yeah i think it's because of i think because of the v the debate about migration is always focused on numbers how can we limit numbers so the the homework frames every visa category in in a very negative sense of how can we limit the pools of people who can come once they're here you know it's not about how we can enhance their experience of the uk um We'll go off on a tangent now. Have you heard about the hostile environment? Yes. 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 So this is this is another the tranche of of immigrate the immigration world. So a few years ago, though the, the, the hostile environment has really existed for many many years, but it became an active policy under the Tory government to make life as hard as possible for migrants when they come into the UK. So anybody here on a visa needs to show their visa permission in order to open a bank account to get access to NHS treatment driving licenses all sorts of ways and also renting a home now so a a landlord has to do a check online to check that this person has lawful residence before they'll get a property so it's all about how can we make lives as difficult as possible so nobody i don't think there's been enough focus on what how are the rules that we have how are they treating migrants how are they affecting their everyday lives and in particular, you know, how is this affecting women? And, and there just hasn't, I don't think it's really come across policymakers' minds because their mind has been so focused on how do we cut numbers. I think there's that, you, you talk about the hostile environment and it's not, it doesn't just happen here. And this week we saw some really graphic and quite heartbreaking images come out of the US um and the what have been called concentration camps there with regarding um migrants crossing um, the u.s mexico border um you have hostility um across europe towards people um who are fleeing um wars that we've contributed to and things uh, as a i say we as a you know the uk france america um and that kind of whole hostile environment again just makes it so much worse for for women and for young children and um Mm. just how do you kind of deal with that seeing that as a someone who works on on these things oh it's immensely frustrating and immensely embarrassing at times Mm. you know when you're dealing with people from other countries and other walks of life and and often as well who just have never encountered the visa system you know you deal with British nationals who are just you know they just happen to fall in love with somebody from another country and they've never encountered really government systems and they come across the home office and they're just gobsmacked that this is how it works that they're suddenly under examination they're under the microscope they're having to demonstrate they're in a a subsisting relationship that they're that they're having to put forward their own personal photographs and letters to show that they are in this loving relationship and it's you feel as a representative you know you know what you they need to do you know what the hurdles they have to get past and what they're going to face but 
yes, it's frustrating and embarrassing a lot of the time. And I don't think it really uh, represents the best of what, you know, the experience of what living in the UK should be about. As a, as oh, an, what's been in your experiences then? I mean, the hostile environment thing, it's like a constant source of anxiety for me. And I am legally here and, you know, sponsored by a massive company that can afford the legal services of a law firm like your own. And yet just the every time I rent a place or cross the border or do anything, I'm treated like I don't deserve to be here. Um, yes. It is incredibly, and the, the fees as well for the I, the healthcare fees. Um, I, I remember yeah, it's about um, a thousand pounds a year, and um, it's something I think that as nationals we very much, or EU nationals, even take for granted. And yeah. then hearing that, that there is a cost, and people yeah. paying it. Uh, yeah, um, I mean to. Uh, so I'm here on a visa. The long term plan is obviously to get indefinite leave to remain, and then a passport, and the fees associated with that without even paying for Joe's time is about thousands five five thousand pounds. <laughs> it's thousands and thousands of pounds. Which is ridiculous when I've I mean, just talking from personal experience, I've been here for so long paying taxes, paying NHS subsidies, like doing my bit for my community and it's you're constantly <laughs> thinking like, Am I gonna be able to save yeah. up enough money and time and yes. am I gonna get kicked out of the country oh before then? I can't imagine in my savings account I'm thinking, <laughs> Oh, I'm saving for travelling and someone else is Oh, I'm saving <laughs> saving for citizenship like it just well, seems like such an alien thing uh, yeah and I speak from such a privileged position and I just want to emphasize that you know I'm English speaking I'm white which helps with landlords and things like that and yeah you know I am in an environment where I've supported through the system and it's still awful and there are so many people here that obviously don't yes. have that privilege yeah no, definitely. The the landlord one is we have that a lot of people who just left in this limbo where they're trying to rent a property um, and they might. And, and it's, it can be simple things now because often the problem with the visa process comes down to encountering annoying online systems. Um, the Home Office, in, in it's great ambition of theirs. They're going very digital. So everything's going online, but the, the technology has, isn't really there. So you're you get a visa. They might the visa might be approved, but you need you wait for your little biometric residence permit, which can take a few days to come up back, can to be sent out. And we've noticed now there's more and more delays in those coming out. And then somebody doesn't have their card, and their tenancy is up, and they can't go. And they're trying to get their tenancy organised, and their the landlords can't accept anything else. So they're at, they're panicking because they've got nowhere to live. A lot, lot um, of catch twenty twos. Yes, sounds like immense amounts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember a friend of mine um, sent of sending off the passport uh, for a visa renewal and needing to travel for work, but then not being able to travel for work. But then work would contribute to the visa status. So it's just like it seems like an endless cycle of, um, well, we need A for B, but I can't do B until C, but I definitely can't do C. So, and then yeah. the whole thing like toppling. I mean, it's case by case. Everyone's different. But that was definitely her experience. We're sadly running out of time, but <laughs> I just wanted to really quickly ask about um, other ways in which women are coming in, because I know that we've talked a lot about kind of the migrant workforce, but spousal visas, uh, obviously. Yes. Yeah, women, uh, the stati statistics seem to, uh, see, well, they show that women, majority of spouse visas are, are 
given to women. Um, it's seen as uh, the Home Office traditionally see it as almost a female based uh, category. Um, yeah, the majority of tier two holders, you're obviously the exception, but are I think in the three quarters male. So um, and then there's categories such as the overseas domestic worker as well, which are predominantly female and there's there's um, academics who've, who've written about how the the female based immigration categories often have less rights um, given to them than the so-called male categories such as tier two so the domestic worker can't bring family they can't stay for beyond six months so there's other ways in which discrimination occurs within the the immigration system if people want to read more about this what should they be googling uh, free movement blog is a great place to start. Um, that's, that's where we, a lot is written about how critical analysis of the immigration system. Um, yeah, start there. But there's all sorts, there's all sorts out there. All sorts. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing all that with us. Thank you. No problem. Really interesting. I can't believe that's gone so fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM. Our podcast is available at acast.com slash very loose women where you can find all of the archive, including the episode on the gender pay gap. And it's also just wherever you can find podcasts. Um, uh, don't forget to rate the show and send us postcards. Leo was looking through the mailbox again Okay, today just no for the listeners to know, I look every single week. <laughs> every single week we don't get mail. Please send us mail. That's what I have to say. 144 Bar High Street. It's in London. <laughs> um, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VRW Radio. And thank you to John for the engineering this week. <laughs>